This program, of course, is presented by Pro Wrestling Illustrated, the most widely read, widely sold, and respected wrestling magazine in the world today. This is the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Podcast. I'm your host, PWI senior writer Al Castle. Back again, I'm going to be joined in a moment by my co-host Brian Solomon, and we have got a lot to talk about uh, with Fastlane out of the way. Uh, we've got a clearer picture of what WrestleMania 37 is looking like. Um, we're going to talk a bit about the card as we know it so far, and also just some of the logistics of this year's WrestleMania, the return of live fans, uh, doing it in Tampa, outdoors, over two days. Uh, but again, really kind of uh, uh, focusing on this card, which uh, a lot of folks uh, think is a little underwhelming, uh, leaves a lot to be desired, a lot of uh, the real key names that we've come to associate with WrestleMania, the real star power of folks like The Undertaker and John Cena and Brock Lesnar and others nowhere to be found on this card. And so they're kind of piecing it together with what they have. And Brian and I will uh, kind of evaluate uh, what what the card uh, is looking like and whether it is, in fact, uh, WrestleMania worthy. Uh, Also talk a bit about some other news, including Andrade's uh, departure, and talk about the return of the NWA, the National Wrestling Alliance, which was on hiatus for about a year because of COVID uh, back over the weekend with their first pay-per-view back for the attack and now back on uh, the Fight TV uh, network with uh, the return of their weekly show, Power. We talk a bit of about the changes they've uh, undergone over the last year, some for the better, uh, some for the worse. So stay tuned. Uh, and then later on, got uh, a really fun interview uh, that you could read some of in the latest issue of Pro Wrestling Illustrated. It's our hot seat interview, and it's with WWE official, I think that's his uh, official title, uh, Adam Pierce. Uh, but if, if you know Adam, you know his uh, career goes back a lot further than just being a WWE official. He's a former NWA champion. He was a star in Ring of Honor. He was a booker for Ring of Honor. He's worn uh, many, ha- many hats and was brought into WWE uh, some years ago, even though he never really worked there. I guess he did uh, a few uh, enhancement matches back in the day, uh, but earned such a good reputation, uh, especially for his work backstage, that he was brought in as a coach and over the last several months has become something of an on-screen uh, star who's gotten uh, really a lot of praise uh, just for the little bit of time he's been on TV, really conveys a legitimacy um, you know, that, that you don't see in, in uh, a lot of performers. Uh, and Adam talks a bit about what's behind that, his road to, to getting in WWE, and uh, generally how much fun he's having these days in this kind of late stage in his career, um, getting in some ways notoriety than he did, in all more notoriety than he did in all the years he was wrestling. Uh, and also talks a little bit about uh, WrestleMania coming up and, and what he hopes to, to see there. So stay tuned. Um, and let me tell you about the latest issue of Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Uh, it is the May 2021 issue. In addition to uh, my hot seat interview with uh, Adam Pierce in there, there is a ton in this issue. It is the return of the Supercards, which was a staple of Pro Wrestling Illustrated for many, many years in the 80s and 90s, where we will highlight some of the biggest cards uh, in wrestling that happened over um, a certain period of time. And uh, Kevin McElvaney, our uh, editor, uh, made the, the call to bring it back and really chose just the right time to do it because uh, there is so much covered in here from uh, Wrestle Kingdom 
to uh, AEW's New Year's Smash show, the Royal Rumble, Impact's Hard to Kill a show, Ring of Honor's Final Battle show, and uh, on and on. Loads of cards in here, t- uh, uh, tons of coverage, uh, photos that you haven't seen anywhere, uh, really in some ways kind of a throwback to the old Pro Wrestling Illustrated, uh, where for a lot of people it was the f- how they got their news about results for some of these shows and, and the first time they got eyes on some of these stars from promotions that they otherwise wouldn't see. <clears throat> and um, there's there's a lot of that here with the in addition to some of those real prominent companies like WWE, AEW, um, we've also got coverage of shows um, from from Mexico, from Japan, um, and it's absolutely worth checking out. A really fun uh, feature and I think a collector's issue because of that. So go and pick it up. Lots more uh, in this issue, uh, all the, the columns uh, you're used to. Uh, we talk a bit about, and, and I keep on saying we got to have a conversation here on the show about this, The uh, some changes in our world title status uh, recognition. Uh, we've got uh, features on uh, Masha Slamovich, on uh, Indy Russell and Jamie Senegal, and uh, a lot more. So uh, you want to pick up this issue, go to pwi-online.com. You could either uh, buy just the one issue or you could subscribe. Uh, and that's the case for either the print edition or the digital edition. The digital edition gets to you a lot faster. You don't have to wait those extra few weeks to uh, have it come in your mailbox or to find it at a newsstand. Uh, and the digital edition is customized for your digital uh, device. But certainly, if you want the magazine, we've been around now 40 plus years. Um, and we certainly encourage you to go and pick it up. But uh, again, rather than, than going crazy, trying to find it at a newsstand, have it delivered right to your mailbox. It's the way to go. You can subscribe and save uh, more than half off the cover price. Uh, so go to pwi-online.com and pick it up. While you're there, you can subscribe to the PWI Weekly Newsletter, uh, which is absolutely free, comes to your inbox, has uh, news, ratings, uh, notes, uh, it's got links to, to stuff like the podcast and other uh, projects that we're working on. Um, just a real fun weekly feature. It costs you absolutely nothing, so you want to do that. Also, uh, pick up a T-shirt uh, at ProWrestlingTees.com. And we also now have a partnership with uh, a company. Uh, their website is WhatAManeuver.net, and we've got some exclusive designs uh, over there, uh, including a Matt Brock Squad uh, T-shirt and uh, Pro Wrestling illustrated logo t-shirt on a pastel colored really cool perfect for uh, easter i would think Uh, so go uh, check it out subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts please leave us a positive review um and what else you could uh, reach us here at the podcast at pwi podcast at outlook.com or for anything else uh, send us an email at uh, pro pwi at kappa publishing.com and of course follow us on social media at official PWI on Instagram and uh, Twitter. Had fun, as always, live tweeting Fastlane over the weekend. And if you like, you can follow me on Twitter at at Alcastle PWI. All right, joined right now by my co-host, Brian Solomon. How's it going, Brian? Pretty good, Al. Hope everything's okay on your end. Yes, uh, a busy weekend in uh, the wrestling world. A fun one, though. Uh, we got the NWA back, and between uh, the NWA and Fastlane, uh, my Sunday was pretty uh, booked up. Um, so let's talk on a, a couple things. Uh, obviously, the, the, the biggest news 
WrestleMania and and what we know now know about WrestleMania coming out of Fastlane. We've got the semblance of a card uh, taking shape. I think there's about eight matches uh, so far because it's over two nights. I expect we're going to get a lot more. You know, last year, I think they had 19 or 20 matches over uh, the two nights. So this is probably only about half the card right now. But it does seem like at least the the bigger um, parts are in place now. And uh, they've even gone as far as actually telling us what's on night one and, and what's on night two uh, for the most part. Uh, so let's talk uh, a bit about it. I, I think as far as WrestleMania goes, the, the biggest news coming out of Fastlane is an apparent change in uh, the main event, a main event you and I have talked about, which I think we both said we, we liked. And I guess... Vince McMahon liked it less than we did um, because he went <laughs> and changed it. Uh, Edge and Roman Reigns uh, now um, seems to be, and maybe by the time folks are hearing this, it's already official, uh, looks like it's changing to a triple threat with Daniel Bryan um, thrown into the mix. Uh, what, what, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, is, is it an improvement? You know, I don't know if you're like me, by and large... Not a huge fan of, of triple threats. I mean, very often the, the action is better, but uh, inevitably um, the, the story takes a hit. Uh, that said, there are certainly cases where um, WWE has done an effective job of building a three-way rivalry, you know, a, a couple of years ago with uh, Charlotte, Ronda, and Becky Lynch. I thought that was a really good job of building a three-way rivalry. They've, they've kind of started to do that here, so... Uh, in the end, could this be better than what was originally planned? Uh, well, as you know, I've said it before. I mean, I, I don't really care for triple threats, especially when you're talking about the main event of WrestleMania. I really always feel like the main event of WrestleMania needs to be this very clean, very direct, you know, one-on-one, you know, good versus evil or whatever the case may be. And they're really muddying the waters here. I think what they did with Edge at the pay-per-view really muddies the waters. Uh, it, it you know, I mean, did he turn? What what exactly is going on? Are we this whole the whole comeback story that I championed coming out of the Royal Rumble as a, a justifiable reason to put Edge in this spot is now, in my mind, not as clear because that doesn't seem to be the story that they want to tell anymore. Uh, um, I mean, I, I love I, I loved the Daniel Bryan Roman Reigns match that they had. I thought it was the highlight of the entire day of wrestling, both shows. But I feel like uh, to throw him in there, it almost feels like a, a a lack of confidence in the original match. I always feel like when, when they wind up switching to a triple threat in midstream, it shows me a lack of confidence in the original matchup. And having someone like Daniel Bryan in there, it's almost like he's the ringer to make sure that it's a really good match for whatever reason that they didn't think it would be. Yeah, I, I really agree. And and the one thing that I think you and I both talked about that we really liked about Edge versus Roman Reigns was that it was such a clear good guy and bad guy, and not just in the storytelling, but I think in, in the reception. I mean, my expectation was, um, you know, they're in Tampa Bay and folks watching from homes, they were going to be uh, very much behind Edge in in capturing uh, that title, you know, telling the uh, the, the whole Cinderella story uh, in his comeback and all that, and very against Roman Reigns in as much as they've done a terrific job building him up as a heel. So what do they go and do? As you said, they kind of muddy it up. And now 
is is Edge even a babyface? Is he a heel? Is it something in between? We have another babyface uh, in the mix. Uh, it it uh, I, I just don't get it. W- what does it tell you? Is, is it um, a, a lack of confidence in the job that Edge was doing? Is it maybe uh, uh, not the man not buying the chemistry between the two of them? I think it might uh, it might be a lack of confidence in Edge's ability to perform. And I'm not saying that it's justified, but I'm, I'm thinking there may be more to this than we know. Maybe right. They, maybe in, in, in workouts or whatever, maybe right. something's just missing. Yeah. There might be fears behind the scenes of, oh, my God, this is the biggest match on the biggest show of the year. Can can this guy really carry this? Because there's certainly no doubt about Roman Reigns being able to do it. So if there is doubt, it, it, to me, it has to be coming from the edge side of things, you know, and it's almost like they're thinking in their head, wow, I wish we could have just had Daniel Bryan versus Roman Reigns as our WrestleMania main event. But now we're yeah. stuck with that. that. That seems to be the feeling I'm getting now. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing, when you have a triple threat, with, which uh, and, and the champion, a strong champion that often um, is kind of baked into the reason of, of why you do it is it's a way of getting a title off of someone without beating them. And I wonder if that's in play here. You know, we just saw that with Bobby Lashley losing the, uh, was it the Intercontinental title or the U.S. title? I forget which he had. I think it was the U.S. title, right? Yep. Um, yep. Back at uh, Elimination Chamber to, to Riddle without having to to take the pinfall. So could could that be it? Could they maybe want to get the title either on Edge or Brian, but um, don't want Roman to suffer a pinfall loss? Uh, and maybe that's in play here. You know, I, I could very much believe that from a, a match quality standpoint, uh, this will be better. But, you know, it, it, the, the poster, right? It's just a little more cluttered when you got three guys instead of two. You know, that that's uh, in, in all combat sports. That iconic iconic image is is the stare down, right? One guy looking nose to nose right. with the other. And and they uh, I thought were doing a really good job of, of telling that story between um, Edge and uh, Roman Reigns. A, a couple of takeaways uh, here. Um, one, one is the timing issue, right? And this has been sort of botched from the moment that Edge won the Royal Rumble, uh, where clearly the direction they wanted to go was Roman Reigns. But they had this whole way to get there and two pay-per-views between now and then. And they just seem to have kind of gotten distracted, lost interest, what have you. And a part of it is uh, a testament to Daniel Bryan, I think, doing such a good job that that maybe it got Vince McMahon thinking, as you said, well, this is actually pretty good stuff. Maybe it, it, this is worth playing out more. Uh, but it, if there was more of a straight line between the Royal Rumble and WrestleMania, I don't know. It, 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 it's kind of a shame. I don't think it's a total loss. Happy to see, you know, w- watching um, uh, the, the show this past Sunday night and, and assuming that Daniel Bryan was not going to win and uh, assuming that the match was still Edge and Roman Reigns. One of the things that was going uh, through my mind was, what do you do with Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania? He needs something really good. I mean, he, he's so good. I'd hate to see him wasted in a mid-card match. So in that sense, I'm happy to see the guy get a, you know, and, and it's sort of going to be the the true main event because it is going to be, uh, I think, the closing match on, on night two. But uh, yeah, you know, another kind of, I don't want to say tough break for Edge, but this whole thing couldn't have gone the way he wanted. Yeah, from, because it's yeah. it's like what they did, you know, the Daniel Bryan match and the whole fast lane angle. 
it almost seemed like this unnecessary kind of bump in the road and let's just get yeah. this over with and get back to building WrestleMania. And now it seems to have taken over WrestleMania, this Daniel Bryan angle, which I didn't see coming. I just saw it as this is something to keep Roman Reigns busy for a month, you know, uh, and, and now it's it's turned into a lot more. And I I don't know it, I'm I'm not I don't like to gang up on WWE if I don't think they deserve it. But, you know, when people talk about how it seems like sometimes they've lost their fundamental ability to tell these very simple, straightforward stories. Um, this is an example of that. You know, this is yeah. a, this is a slam dunk. It's a it's an easy story to tell. Yeah, yeah, and and I think uh, some of that is apparent throughout the whole card. Uh, so so let's take a step back and and um, talk about what we we know we have. Uh, so night one uh, right now, uh, the main event looks to be Bobby Lashley versus Drew McIntyre for WWE Championship. We talked a bit about that. Um, you know, I think a fine match. That they, I wouldn't have predicted this to be a WrestleMania uh, main event caliber match, um, but it, it's fine. Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair for the Women's Championship. Uh, Bad Bunny versus The Miz. Uh, a little surprising that it, it looked like this was going to be a tag team match, and it looks like they're going to go ahead and do the singles match. But with the other two, I imagine, um, involved. Uh, the night two, uh, Reigns, Edge, and ostensibly Dan O'Brien. Uh, Asuka and Rhea Ripley, uh, that that coming together last night on Raw with Rhea debuting. And uh, Bray Wyatt and, and Randy Orton. Uh, we can talk a little bit more about that in a moment. And then two other matches that we don't know when they're happening. Uh, New, Je- New Day and um, AJ Styles in Omos and... Braun Strowman versus Shane McMahon. Uh, that's supposed to uh, have happened this past Sunday, but they pushed it off to the pay-per-view, uh, which I kind of figured that feels like more of a WrestleMania match uh, than a fast lane match. But but that's kind of it. And uh, man, that is that is not a very strong card at all, uh, I would no. say. And um, the the big guns that they typically pull out for WrestleMania really just don't seem like they're they're uh, available or uh, in the mix at all. I mean, when you talk about Undertaker, Goldberg, Brock Lesnar, John Cena, um, yeah, I guess Cena is still kind of a possibility, but he has indicated that he's not going to be there because um, he's taping in, in Canada. He's filming his show. If you don't have any of those, I mean, I know Hogan is um, a host, but but I wouldn't expect much out of that. Uh, man, one of my takeaways from this is that uh, – not just WWE's roster, but even kind of their their pool of special attractions having dwindled as much as it has really is an indictment in the way uh, not just that they they elevate talent now, but the way they've done it now for a, a generation in that now the, their part timers that they call on, a lot of them have kind of aged out, too. And you don't you know, the, the last sort of generation um, to create like these special attractions, uh, you you kind of can't go to that well anymore. And then that next generation, which is really you know the the stars of the last fifteen years, uh, you know basically the, the the John Cena generation, the reason that those folks aren't really available to bring in as special attractions is they're still you know just regular parts of the company. You're talking Randy Orton. You know I I, I thought Edge was a a fine special attraction for this year's WrestleMania, but they've kind of already squandered it. Now he's just another guy and, um, and part of a three-way match. 
So uh, there, there really aren't those special attractions to go to. Yeah, and, and more and more, um, we're seeing, I think, very much so, the era of um, the diminishment of the importance of the individual drawing cards. I mean, think about this. In an era when you've got two nights worth of WrestleMania, you have one of the weakest cards ever. And you could look back on you know, some of the greatest WrestleManias of all time ever. And they got it in under three hours. Do you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. we're, we're looking at a situation where it's almost like it's like what people predicted. You know, we have this guaranteed money. We've got the Fox money. We've got our TV deals. We've got Peacock money now. We've got the network. Um, we don't have to worry. We don't have to worry about buy rates. You know, we can sort of coast a little bit. The pressure is not as much on to pull out these dream matches for WrestleMania. I may be wrong in saying that, but what we're seeing play out here, to me, is an indication of that. Yeah, yeah. Th- this is, uh, like I said, probably only about half of the total uh, matches we're going to get over two nights. And this isn't enough to flesh out one good WrestleMania card. I- I'd argue this this would be a, an, a mediocre SummerSlam card. It might be fine for a SummerSlam or, or something like that. But, uh, you know, again, this is, uh, I think, eight matches announced so far, uh, and it's just not strong at all. And you still have a lot more to to put in here. Is there uh, anything that they could do? I mean, are there any rabbits to to pull out of the hat? And, and I, the challenge is that, that the, the bigger names that they have on the regular roster right now seem to, to all be booked. So you got a match for for Drew McIntyre and for. Um, Roman Reigns and Edge and Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles, they're, they're all on the card. So uh, you'd think that what's left to put together is going to be, you know, your intercontinental title match, your your U.S. title match, that kind of thing. But is again, is there a rabbit that they could pull out of their hat for this card? Well, um, what about the Brock Lesnar rabbit? I, I know I I'm don't the. Know. What, what, I, what would you do with him? Yeah, and I mean, I know. <laughs> Uh, maybe I have this reputation as the Brock Lesnar guy. My my answer to every problem is Brock Lesnar, but but I do think he is the most special thing uh, in in wrestling in the last ten to twenty years. He just is. He's I agree. Just, he's you you think that he would have been paired with with one of the people who's already booked? I mean, right. what do you gonna do with him? Put him with you know Dolph Ziggler right. or something? I mean. Right, right. You know, I, I, I wish I knew. I mean, that might be that might be something Cena could do if they could get Cena. Involved. Yeah, yeah, they but you know, that that he's trying to make up for, you know, the worst trouncing of his entire career, something like that. See, I think if if you got Cena to do the show and you got Lesnar to do the show, I'd think they'd be in separate matches, so you get um, more bang for the buck, right? You yeah, but that's how you water down the card. What you're describing is exactly how you water down a card, which is what you don't want to do. But 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 what it, they tend to stay away from from having part timers work against each other because nothing is gained, right? Whoever comes out um, the winner, who gets the uh, well, the rub? I mean, they they both kind of go back to their their neutral corners, and WWE's you know none the better for it. I'd sooner do a and I do not want to see this, but just <laughs> theoretically speaking, because they, they've kind of teased this for for years over WrestleMania, John Cena versus Elias. 
uh, which somehow, again, has been kicking around, you know, the WrestleMania cards for, for years. Um, and a Brock Lesnar, I don't know what you do with a Brock Lesnar. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> uh, you could just have him kill someone. I don't, I don't know. And, uh, it gets it, you know. There's also, uh, there was an announcement today, and I'm not going to say this is not something that is would, you know, turn WrestleMania around and, and make it into, you know, the greatest event ever. But, it, and you talk about part-timers and special attractions and guys coming back. They announced today that RVD is going in the Hall of Fame. Oh, I didn't know that. That's news to me. Now, okay. Yeah, they announced it today. And RVD is now, you know, he's not with Impact anymore as of last fall. He has some kind of a deal or an agreement with WWE. I'm not sure what it is to do things with them. I don't exactly know what that entails. But now he's going in the Hall of Fame. You know, he's totally in working condition. You know, he, he can go. Um, maybe he's somebody they throw in the mix there just to spice it up a little bit. Yeah, I, I, I suppose. I mean, he didn't mean a whole lot to an impact. So how much is he going to mean to the WWE now? In some ways, I guess he would mean more to WWE uh, because he's got more of a history there. But uh, yeah, he's not that much of a difference maker. Thinking of other guys who are not on the card yet, Jeff Hardy, um, Riddle, Sheamus. Looks like those two might be paired together, Riddle and Sheamus. Mm-hmm. Um, just going through the card. Yeah, it's it, it's tough. It, it's a tough one. Um, and you know, not not to jump too far ahead, but, but another headline that came out of uh, uh, this week, uh, which, which I don't want to exaggerate, it left my jaw dropping. But in terms of missed opportunities, uh, you know, word came out this week that they released uh, Andrade or they they granted his request to be released. And at the same time that, again, you're struggling to put together a card and looking over your roster and there's just this this dearth of star power. It's crazy to me that um, they let him go. I think it's it's great that they let him go if they've got nothing for him. I mean, um, to, to keep him around just to sort of hold him hostage. But uh, in terms of, of missed opportunities, man, did they blow that one. Uh, I, I thought Andrade had huge, huge star potential and still does. And he's in his early 30s. You know, we've, we've talked about, you know, one of these issues being that the, the roster is so old. Here ha- you have a guy who was relatively young, had so much going for himself, great look, good size, charisma. Um, obviously, working against him was the, the, the language barrier. I think too much is made of that. You know, you would know this as well as anybody uh, with the with, uh, your your uh, studying of of old wrestling you know that's what mouthpieces were for that's what managers were for he had a good one in in Zelina Vega um so kind of crazy that that they let not not just Andrade but Zelina already having been gone that that this act is just floating out there for another company to take and to me that's a, a main event act I mean they could go yeah. over to AEW and be headlining um next week and from what I understand, right, and this should, this tells me that they don't even really they don't even recognize the potential is the fact that I don't believe he even had a non compete. Right. So so he could just go to, on dynamite next week, you know, and if he's smart, he probably will or, or something like that. Um, yeah, because I mean, for me, it was all about the creative. Like they never did anything with him ever that made me personally interested in him, but it was not his fault. It was just that they just never seemed to have anything good for him, especially since he's been on his own. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what a huge missed opportunity there. 
Yeah. Uh, but just go through some more names. Uh, Biggie's not booked. I would. I don't know. I, I I imagine maybe they do something with Apollo. Um, if they continue that going, there seems to be some life left in that feud. Rey yeah. Mysterio, Seth Rollins, I imagine is going to be paired with Cesaro. Uh, but boof, yeah, this is uh, and and it is kind of a weird thing because on on one hand, um, they they received criticism over the years at WrestleMania for, <clears throat> um, you know, slotting so many special attractions part timers. Uh, in the card, but this year they don't have it, um, and they're kind of missing that. Uh, but but I I think it it's less just that you you miss the star power of the special attractions to part timers, and more just an indictment that well that this is because you haven't created your stars within your roster. So Seth Rollins and Cesaro, two super talented guys. You know Cesaro, uh, one of the more underrated and underutilized guys. Uh, the last several years. So on, on one hand, you know, great that he gets what would seem to be kind of a, a featured match at WrestleMania. But the reality is this is not going to be an important match because he hasn't been pushed. So it's, you know, I imagine they're going to get eight to 12 minutes in the middle of one of these shows. And it's just not going to mean a whole lot. Yeah. Yeah. I'm also thinking maybe what about Kurt Angle? There's a name we haven't brought up. What's what's his situation looking like? Well, he's technically retired, right? Uh, you know, having, uh, I, I don't know what that's worth, but, you know, another guy who's either 50 or, or right around there. You know, one name that I'm surprised that they haven't gone to because he's kind of always available is Triple H. You know, he's kind of like the the resident special attraction that they, that they can always go to if they need to. Um, so that's something, but, but really... Again, and at, at, now we're we're three weeks away, uh, more or less. I just don't see um, any of that coming together. To, yeah, I yeah. feel like they're they're kind of where now they just build the stories that they have for the next few weeks, flesh out that mid card, and this is kind of what it is. Do you think um, <clears throat> they're because of, of of the limitations and the restrictions of putting on this WrestleMania? They're, I don't want to say deliberately tanking it, but but it's kind of like, you know, the rebuilding year, as they say, for like baseball teams. You know, this year we're going to kind of take off and we're going to look to Dallas next year. And that's when we load up with The Rock and Roman Reigns. And we, you know, we got Steve Austin in Dallas and we'll bring back Brock and, and all of that. And and again, this year, it's sort of like, well, people are just going to be happy to have people in, in a stadium. Kind of doesn't matter what you give them. Maybe. I mean, even if they're not consciously doing that, that might be sort of like, you know, the kind of underlying theme of this that is just sort of like, well, you know, because of what's happening right now, people will just be happy that we're giving them anything. You know, maybe that's the thinking. But but the sad part is, as with anything else, they have the ability to do a whole lot more. This has never been ever a talent issue. Never. Their roster is unbelievable. It still is, especially with all three. If you consider all three brands, it's 100 percent a creative problem. Yeah, absolutely. And and even um, this card tells some of that story because you, you look at people who are on the, the roster who are available to them and are either um, not booked. Um, you, you don't really expect to be booked or, or kind of underutilized. Uh Ray Mysterio, AJ Styles, who's who's in a tag team match, uh, Ricochet, Jeff Hardy, who at one point was one of the biggest stars in, in the entire sport, um, and on and on. You know, uh, th- these guys 
are available and um, just aren't really. And, and it's not now a matter of um, just sticking them on the card because uh, you could do that. You could find a, a, a match for Jeff Hardy or Rey Mysterio or whoever uh, tomorrow, and maybe they will end up on the card. But it's just finding a meaningful place for them. Uh, and, and it just doesn't look like that's going to happen between, uh, now and WrestleMania. So, uh, we'll see any other thoughts on, on, um, just kind of the overall plan here, uh, two nights, uh, we now know around, uh, 25,000 folks a night inside the building, uh, a lot of events on television, but it doesn't look like there's going to be much, if any, live events leading up to or after the show. So it looks like essentially after WrestleMania, they go right back to to the Thunderdome for um, at least a foreseeable future. Uh, so what what do you think about the way WrestleMania is taking shape from a, a production standpoint? I uh, such a negative Nancy today. <laughs> I don't I, I don't think that this two night thing as a permanent idea is a good one. And I don't know why. They're they're doing it. I really don't. There's probably a very simple reason that I'm not seeing, but this isn't a buy rate thing. This isn't like you can get twice the buy rate or a slightly higher buy rate or anything like that. Of any point in history, you would think this would be the least likely time to try something like this. I mean, and, and the least likely event, because, look, WrestleMania is a, a mainstream entertainment event. There are people, lots of people who watch WrestleMania that don't even watch wrestling the rest of the year. Those people are not going to sit down two straight nights to watch this. And they're going to watch one. They're going to be confused. They're not going to get the full picture. They're going to get a weakened card. And, and you've got like the people throw parties. I mean, these are all the logistics. Like, are they thinking of all this? Are people going to have two night WrestleMania parties where, okay, everybody see you tomorrow. You know, I, I just, I think this is very, ill-advised and bloated for them to to think they could sustain this i think it, it it's almost like it's i don't know it's it's it kind of is a sign to me of some kind of desperation in some way and and i i just think that it's a it's a bad move it's a bad move it's the, the same way i felt years and years ago that the entire brand extension was a bad move because you're watering everything down you're spreading you're breaking it apart for no reason for no discernible benefit. And I feel the same thing with this. I, I'm not as down on it um, for uh, a few reasons. I, I'm not not sure if I love it. Uh, a, a, a bit of a disclosure here. I'm planning on going uh, uh, both nights. So we'll see what that's like. Um, but I do think that there's a, a couple of factors here. One is, uh, again, the pandemic, right? So um, they want to sell tickets. They want to make revenue. You, you, you have... Um, I mean, somewhat self-imposed because they're in Florida. They could kind of do what they want, uh, but good for them. They are, uh, I, I guess, trying to to keep it to a size of an audience that they feel um, will be safe. So I, I guess they're talking about 25,000 people in the building each night. You double that, you make you sell 50,000 tickets instead of 25,000. So that's yeah, one motivator, right? I thought uh, of that, but then you've also got twice the production costs. You do, but it's probably time. not twice the production costs, right? I mean, it, it's probably some increase, but it's not like you're tearing down and, and setting back up again. So, uh, right, I mean, you're paying everybody for a second day, all your production crews, but I, I don't think it doubles the production costs, and you do double 
the ticket revenue. Now, now in the big picture, it's probably not all that much. I mean, I was actually surprised by how um, sort of reasonably priced the WrestleMania tickets were. I thought that there was potential here for them to really kind of fleece the fans because uh, it, it is such a kind of you would think it's a hot ticket. The first live WWE event in, in more than a year. Um, I, I thought that they were going to just charge through the roof for all these tickets and and they didn't. So I, I don't expect them to actually make a ton of money off of ticket revenue. The, the other thing, um, obviously, is Peacock. Right. And uh, so so by then they're going to be firmly over on Peacock and they need to deliver attractions to Peacock to kind of uh, justify what what um, NBC spent on them. And two nights of WrestleMania programming, um, even if neither one is going to do the kind of numbers that one WrestleMania would have done on its own on one night some years ago, it's going to be the most watched WWE event on Peacock, I would imagine, for all of 2021. Uh, yeah. And, and I, you know, one and two are going to be night one and night two. Uh, so so th- that's some reasoning. And um, I don't know. You know, I do think that some of this is just borrowing from New Japan and and they did it. Yeah. The flip side that is I was complaining for years and, and having gone to um, WrestleMania 34 and 35 i know those went way 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 too long now there's also the option of just make a shorter show on one night but if you are uh you know dead set on you know producing eight hours of wrestlemania or whatever it is uh i do think it's more palatable over two nights than one but that that whole week it's just it's harrowing to me and look i love wrestling but you've got the the uh, the the NXT takeover two nights two nights two nights of NXT yeah I think there's takeover. like a nine yes. straight nights of WWE programming yeah you got two nights of WrestleMania you got the Hall of Fame you got Raw you got SmackDown you got, you know it, it's it's like every single day and look uh, this is fatigue is an issue here you know what I mean uh, it, it it just feels like too much it just keeps getting more and more bloated. At a time when the creative is the weakest it's ever been in the history of the company. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And and uh, I, I usually say that, um, and I think it might still be the case, that WWE puts forth its, be- its best creative leading up to WrestleMania. And, and I think historically that's um, in part because wrestlers take more ownership of their storylines leading up to WrestleMania. And I think there's some of that. Uh, this year some stuff is you know is fine uh but by and large yeah the 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 company still uh creatively really um suffering you know right now which takes us to randy orton versus uh, uh the fiend uh you know i want to know when when this match is is on just so i could do something else i i i have z- I, sh- I don't want to exaggerate because I am going to be watching. Of course, I'm going to be watching. But um, I hate this. I think it's terrible. I think everything these two have done together now, dating back for years, has been terrible. At this point, it almost feels like a rib, like they're just kind of messing with fans, you know? Uh, yeah. Because remember, these two had a match years ago at WrestleMania, and it was horrendous. And uh, they followed up with that other, like, haunted house match, remember, where Randy, like... Uh, I- uh, was in the the haunted house shaved and then it came out to the ring with a, a five o'clock shadow or vice versa something like that 
and everything they've done since. I mean, th- these two, I have issues with with each of them as performers on their own, and and together they're just absolutely toxic. Uh, the 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 worst combination uh, I can remember in a long time, and I don't know what they're thinking <laughs> pairing them together at WrestleMania. Yeah, I kind of had like this weird psychological response during that match where I just didn't want to be in the room. Like I kept I kept finding excuses to do other things, you know, and I had people over. We're all, you know, because it was like wrestling double header, you know, two pay-per-views. And they're like, hey, Brian, you you know, are you coming back? Oh, yeah, you know, I got to I got to do this thing. And in my head, I'm thinking I'm literally just avoiding having to look at because. And I, and I watched part of it and then I went back later and saw, you know, most of it. And it's like you, you we've talked about this and I don't know if you had the same experience of, again, of going on Twitter and people are, you know, like like going crazy about it and loving it and doing somersaults over it. But uh, this stuff is just not for me. And I don't know if there's an indication right now that it's really for anybody at this point. Like, I don't I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not in touch. Yeah part of the fan base that seems to like uh this kind of thing i'm just not and the the climbing out through the canvas like that was cool 25 years ago you know when the undertaker did it and they've done it 80 million times since yeah there was there was no bit of this that that i liked and and my version of of um what you did there was i I was live tweeting it for for the magazine and just ignored this match (laughs) so (laughs) Uh, I just didn't tweet about this match because I had I had nothing good to say, and anything I would say, I know I'd end up getting with a bunch of <laughs> fights well, with with fans. So uh, you know, if you have nothing nice to say, so just on to the next match. Well, you know, yeah. I have an I have an interesting perspective on this, and something I wanted to add is that you know I have a lot of different people that I invite over usually to watch pay per views with me, and a few of them are not really. They're, they're not people that hate wrestling, but they don't really watch it on their own. And so they're not as kind of smartened up to everything and they don't know all the insider stuff. And they're just there to watch a good show. And gen- and generally, some of these people, you know, they're older people, older than me, you know, friends of the family. And they like to kind of get into the action and they like to kind of suspend disbelief a little bit because it's fun in the way that, you know, we all used to do. And when they see something like this, it's like they look at me and they're just like, please explain this to me. I, I don't know. <laughs> like, what am I supposed to be making of this? You know, why, why is this happening right now? And I'm thinking there's a lot of people out there doing that same thing. And those people are not on Twitter, but there's a lot of them. And if we're thinking that WWE's like is skewing so heavily now into like forties and fifties and people, you know, uh, there's gotta be a lot of scratching of heads going on when they do things like this. Yeah. The, the one upside, I guess, because of all that, um, of, of having this match at WrestleMania is that they're going to get a reaction. Um, so so they will find out. I mean, that, that's been one of the real questions, mysteries over the last year is, you know, we've talked about that, you know, uh, as it relates to Drew McIntyre a lot is, is he really over or not? You know, he was uh, he's he's been the top guy in, in a time where there haven't been um, fans. You haven't had that um, focus group uh, of, of fans every night to tell you whether somebody's over or not. And I think uh, that's also the case for for a lot of this gimmickry, cinematic wrestling, uh, all that. So I I, I don't know what kind of match is going to be. They might do the the Funhouse match, which wouldn't be in front of fans anyway. But fans will be there. They'll be watching on a screen and somebody's going to be listening to them. So um, 
we'll see. And and I don't know. Maybe they get a good reaction. Uh, what, I, what I hope is that it's completely rejected by fans. That WWE <laughs> uh, kind of gets the message and and pulls back from this uh, uh, quite a bit because um, you know there's stuff that that you really like. There's stuff you like less. There's stuff that you really don't like. And then there's this, which is kind of this whole other category that it's uh, it, it's some of the the worst WWE programming I've seen in my life. It's it's um, unpleasant in every way to watch. So uh, yeah, um, something that is much uh, more pleasant, and and uh, we both were watching on a Sunday night. It sounds like a fair amount of people uh, were also is uh, the return of the the NWA. Um, it's been a while since we've gotten a, a chance to talk about them here uh back for the attack it's first we've seen them in in about a year but for some of those um shows they they ran uh with uh, uwn mm-hmm. um you know the, most of the the crew was there you know maybe it was exaggerated a little bit about how many guys they lost but they they're definitely missing some important pieces uh a new announced team for the, for the most part um, what what did you think overall? Did this feel like the NWA that we both enjoyed so much before they went off the air last year? Uh, I first want to say, and I'm biased here again, but the the loss of David Marquez, yeah, a big one. That is a big one. And yes, yeah. I do have an article about David and and his UWN coming out in the next issue of PWI. Um, and and one of the reasons I wanted to do that article, which is ironic now is that uh, partly that I felt like he's been such a great asset for the NWA. And that even goes behind the scenes, but most fans don't know about that. But even in front of the camera, you know, he he was a pro. He was a real, like, especially because they're going for that vintage feel. He's your throwback. He's like the modern-day Mean Gene. You know, he's got that vibe of, like, and instead what they've got now is they're copying, you know, Impact and WWE and whatever, you know, they've got. Like the 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 girl with the tattoos reading off cue cards, you know, and, mm-hmm. and the and the jacked up, you know, wrestler announcer guy, and it it's it just it feels like they may be moving, wanting to move away from that kind of '80s aesthetic a little bit, and I don't know if that's the smartest thing because that was one of their biggest selling points. Um, yeah, I was just watching. Um, I, I didn't see all of it, but but the the first few minutes of the. The new episode of Power that uh, just debuted today and joining the announced team is uh, Velvet Sky, which it goes to what you're saying, you know, and uh, there's nothing wrong with Velvet Sky. But you would uh, I, don't, I don't know if you're a, a big Facts of Life fan. I am going sure, back to, to the 80s. So so I will throw out a, a very uh, uh, dated reference. But there was an episode of Facts of Life where uh, Joe was making pizzas. Do you remember this? And this was like her mother's. <laughs> recipe yeah. pizzas right and uh they they were really popular uh but but they got so hot and demand got so hot that like well maybe let's swap out the you know the, the the tomatoes that we grow in the backyard for some canned tomato sauce and uh it's too expensive to get all this cheese that's like you know natural organic cheese so let's just get the stuff you get the supermarket and it just became a completely different pizza. And that sort of feels like, I, I don't want to exaggerate too much, but it, it feels like, you know, we're losing that Polnicek pizza of, of the NWA um, in that the the pieces are in place. Most of the pieces are in place for what we loved about power. And so, all right, it's not Marquez, it's another guy, but you're still kind of doing the same stuff. And it's not, 
you know, Jim Cornette was the first one to go. Uh, but we have another guy who's as good as Jim Cornette. And, you know, and certainly it's not Ricky Starks. It's it, Chris Adonis, you know him or uh, a lot of these XW guys. And so it's like the pieces are there. Most of it, it kind of still looks like the NWA from a year ago in power. Uh, and uh, But it's it's lost some of that uh, authenticity. And I don't know how um, they they get it back. I mean, there's, you know, I suppose you could you can give Jim, Jim Cornette a call. But I, I understand why you wouldn't want to or David Marquez. But I do think that they need to be careful of uh, sacrificing too much and realize that it it wasn't just the the formula or the graphics or the production, but it was a lot of the personalities. They had the right people, yeah. and um, it, they're they're stepping way too far from that. You know, I you, they put Austin Idol there on on uh, Sunday night, and I think they thought that was great. I didn't think he was very good. I um, love Tyrus. Well, it was horrendous. You know, yeah, Tyrus was bad. Uh, but, but Austin Idol, I loved that. I will say I, I loved having him there. I think he's always gold on the mic. He's one of the few guys from that era who could still really go like that from a promo point of view. I thought he was going to get a little more involved. I do know, I believe one of the reasons that he's heavily involved is that his school, his wrestling school is one of the sponsors of power. Mm. So that, that might be why they have, yeah. but you know, he's a link to the past. You know, he was a Georgia championship wrestling guy and all that. And, and so he's wrestled in that studio many, many, many times. But the big link that they still have right now is the fact that it's in Techwood Studios. It's in that space. But they do seem to be consciously moving away from from that whole vibe. Like, I may be wrong. I don't know if I wasn't paying close enough attention, but they didn't have the same kind of like, um, you know, uh, I guess they call them chirons on the screen, like the way that the the words would appear and, and it, it was in a very 80s style that they were, that they had been doing it in terms of like putting people's names on the screen yeah. and um, having the, having a ring announcer because what they were doing is they were copying the old studio style, which was that the um, they were just announced in the ring. Right. Like they had right. a, the, like, like the commentators would just announce them and there wasn't like a big bombastic ring announcer and now they're doing that, too. So I do think that's a conscious choice, I guess. I mean, uh, you know, it's what they're trying to do. Yeah, yeah. I do think that there's some uh, names and partnerships out there. I, I'd, I'd like to see them. Um, and you got to be careful with all these, but but maybe explore some of those partnerships with you know they've lent talent to I don't know if you call it lending talent, but we know that the NWA titles have been defended on, on the AEW. Um, it would be a huge boost to them if Kenny Omega makes an appearance, challenges yes. Nick Aldis for for the NWA title. You got to think that, that that's one direction they want to go. I thought watching it, I was thinking, well, this would be the time to do it. I mean, the NWA has been giving them talent. I mean, this is the time for AEW to step up and send a few people down there. And I don't know. You can't imagine that it, it didn't come up. I mean, they had to. Yeah, uh, had, and for all I know, it happened on, on Power today. I got to go back and watch. Uh, yeah, well, I was I was almost thinking that maybe they wouldn't want to. I mean, maybe the thinking is that they don't want to be perceived as small time. I mean, impact is one thing, but the NWA is even lower profile than impact. So yeah. I don't know. I hope they're not thinking that because I, I think it would be great. And I think it opens the door for all this also to come on dynamite, which is it's about time that has happened. Because, um, you know, he he he's to awesome. me, he's the best talent that they've got. 
but but Thunder Rosa at this point is a much bigger name because yeah. of her exposure on Dynamite, and right. she's you know right. uh, uh, she was the biggest star on the show, um, and, and you know I, I think I would I would love to see them ha- have the cross promotion go both ways because I mean they're both great. Aldis is is a top level major league main event level caliber performer. And, uh, you know, he, he, he deserves to have a bigger spotlight right now. Yeah. I, I, another thing, and, and we've talked about this, um, uh, relative to AEW, but, uh, I, I think right now it's a bigger concern for NWA. They really need to sort of check themselves as far as just going after anybody who used to work for WWE. Uh, and, and th- they were good. I thought a year ago in, Tapping into guys who had that WWE resume, but maybe were kind of underutilized. I heard Nick Aldis uh, talk about wanting to uh, bring in Joe Hennig, uh, the fir- the former, uh, what do they call him, Curtis Axel. Uh, I think it'd be a good get. I'd like to see that. Uh, I, I think that's a, a worthwhile, th- that feels like a, a good NWA fit. But what are you doing with Tyrus? What are you doing with the former Chris Masters? Um, th- these guys are long in the tooth. In their their with all due respect, in, in their best days, they they weren't that big um, stars. Uh, now they're they're a lot older. Uh, Tyrus looked as as bad as I've seen anybody look in in uh, a pro wrestling ring in a long time. Um, just really really out of shape, uh, winded, uh, couldn't execute the simplest move, and they put him over. Uh, uh, a guy who I th- I th- I thought they had some high hopes uh, for in uh, Jr. Kratos, so uh, they they really need to back off of that. I mean, I, I get it's kind of like the old like uh, uh, indie mentality. You, you bring in these guys who have some notoriety, and it'll get a few more people uh, into the door. But I just can't imagine anybody is buying a pay per view uh, to because Tyrus is on. Yeah, I agree. And and it's uh, some of the choices they made, like you said, um, having Tyrus go over. I mean, you can see that coming because they just brought him in. I thought it was weird that Chris Adonis didn't win the title from from uh, um, Trevor Murdoch for the same reason. Not that I would have been you know, cheering for that to happen, but it seemed odd. And also the fact that Thunder Rosa lost. I mean, that was to, in my mind, that that's a huge upset because that's the biggest star on the show. Yeah. But and I think I thought, Camille's got a big upside, too. I, I, oh I think God, it's smart yes. to protect Camille. Oh, no, I, I, I'm a I'm a big fan of hers. I think I mean, obviously, she's still, you know, a little green. She needs some time. She has an incredible look. And I think she's another one that it's a matter of time where where somebody is going to snatch her up, in my opinion, most likely yeah. WWE at some point when they feel that she's ready. I think yeah. she's somebody that people are keeping an eye on right now. But the fact that she went over in that way, it, it almost made me think that maybe AEW has finally like locked down Thunder Rosa into some kind of an exclusive deal. And she was kind of doing that on the way out. Maybe. Yeah. A- any issue with uh, the, the business plan uh, now um, moving over to fight TV, $5 a month to watch power. Uh, I'm on some of these Facebook groups and there's been a lot of debate about it. And on one hand, you've got people saying, Oh, come on, what's five bucks. It's, you know, a couple cups of coffee in, in a month. On the other hand, you know, I think people's expectations for what you get for your streaming dollar are a lot different than they used to be. I mean, now you you could watch WrestleMania uh, for five dollars a month and get all of WWE Network and all of Peacock uh, also. And what NWA is is um, offering is uh, I don't know why, but they say three episodes a month of uh, power, which 
Um, thankfully, he's only an hour, but it is only an hour. Uh, so, you know, I get that they got to keep the lights on, but but I do wonder about that price point. I wonder if they'd be better off with uh, uh, a six-month package, an annual package, or whatever that would be, rather than, than $5 a month. Yeah, because it may be a cup of coffee, but there's a lot of those cups of coffee flying around right now with all yeah. these platforms. And sure. it adds up for people. Um, I, I'll buy it. I'm planning to do it. I, I just, uh, you know, I don't think this is something they'd be doing if they didn't feel like they really, really had to. Because, you know, when they started, they were very much all about, hey, this is free to watch. We're on YouTube. We don't have a TV platform yet, but it's free for you to watch. And that was something that they seemed to be very proud of being able to deliver to get themselves off the ground. And so right now, when they're in a weakened state, I can't imagine this was their preferred way to do it. But I think it must be a situation where they absolutely need the capital or they're going to have to fold. Yeah. Know? And I guess they'll they'll find what that that sweet spot is, you know. But uh, even on Fight TV, you see like a, a Ring of Honor, $10 a month. And granted, they're not doing house shows anymore. But but the Honor Club, I think, is $10 a month. And you get every house show, every TV show and pay-per-views. Uh, so, uh, yeah, wrestling math is kind of, and streaming math, yeah, is, is a lot oh, different for, I mean, for $5 isn't a lot, but, but you, I think there's expectations that for $5, you're going to give me plenty. Revolution costs $50 by itself. I mean, that's yeah. crazy to think about. Right, I mean, right. Yeah. And that was, it, it, it shows you how much things have changed. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, um, e, uh, UFC is still charging. They might've just increased the price. I think it's like 60, $65. A pay-per-view and on top of that you have to subscribe to espn plus to be able to watch it so uh yeah maybe wrestling fans have just gotten too spoiled you know well i think uh, ufc also there's a lot of crossover into the into boxing fans and people that are used to paying for boxing i mean that is not a sport you can follow unless you have a lot of disposable income and so i think there's some overlap there in terms of like fight fans you know, that are more willing to spend that kind of money for something like that. It's a little different from wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. In a way, it maybe it it's um, I don't want to say a disservice, but but one thing WWE has done that I wonder if they could take back is that they they did reduce fans expectations so low. The WWE Network is now, <clears throat> what, seven years old in it, it um, and it's only gone down in price. I remember when when it came out back in 2014, I thought ten dollars a month. There's no way this is going to last. And it has lasted. And now it's half that um, right. on, on Peacock. And, and actually, if you sign up uh, now, which I did, uh, it's two fifty for uh, four months. So, uh, uh, well, you anyway. could use that that extra money that you're going to save now on the network. You can invest in the NWA on Fight TV. Yes, yes. I thought that was going to be a, a, a book plug for you. <laughs> you can set it well, aside for the upcoming biography of the Sheik. Which, by the way, since you've segued into that, I would like to say that I finished writing the manuscript yesterday. I officially finished the hardest part of the process. So there's still a year to go before it comes out. My uh, biography of the original Sheik that I'm writing, to, to clarify, Blood and Fire. Uh, but I did finish the manuscript last night, so that's a big weight off my shoulders. There was just some news right out of his family. Didn't he just lose a, a brother or something? Yeah, his son. And that, oh, was, son, right. that yeah. was very surreal. Um, so the Sheik, the original Sheik, his oldest son, um, Ed Farhat Jr., 
who actually used to wrestle in the Detroit territory as Captain Ed George. If you ever saw the movie, I like to hurt people. He's all over that movie. But I had been kind of going back and forth with him to see if he would help me with the book in terms of, you know, talking about his dad and photography from the family and things. And he had been very, very reluctant and cautious. And historically, he's been that way. That's always what I heard, you know, kind of, you know, because it's a very, you know, his dad was very, very secretive of his real life. And I think there's a sense of like, if anybody's ever going to tell his story, it should be us, meaning the family. So, you know, we went back and forth. It was it was never contentious, but he really was not interested in the end. And he just lost his brother, the Sheik's other son, Tommy. He died last October. And once that happened, you know, he died of kidney cancer. Um, Ed Farhat, Eddie Jr., he just just had no interest in doing anything. And from what I understand, he had COVID, which is horrible. Wow. Tragic. He had been very vocal about like obeying, you know, health restrictions for COVID. It was like one of his top causes on social media. And he apparently caught it. And he, you know, he was, he, he would have been 71 tomorrow and he died, but he, he died the morning of the day that I finished writing the book, which wow. is very strange to me, but yeah. that's life is weird. Yep. Yeah. Well, our condolences to his family. Uh, all right, Brian, thanks so much. A lot of fun. Uh, it's been a while since we had to catch up. And uh, now that we are in WrestleMania season, I expect to uh, check in with you more often. Yes, absolutely. Thanks, Al, as always. I want to thank Brian Solomon, as always, for joining me on a fun conversation. Right now, let's go to another conversation I recently had. It is featured in the latest issue of Pro Wrestling Illustrated. It's our hot seat interview. Here is WWE official Adam Pierce. Hey, Adam, how's it going? Hey, Al, what's going on, dude? How you been? Good, long time, uh, no speak. Yeah, but that's all right. Old friends reconnecting. Absolutely. Uh, so uh, just before I, I got on with you, um, I, I looked up the interview that we did, uh, I guess it's going out 11 years ago um, for, wow. for the magazine. And I remember it really went, it went really well, but I didn't remember that much from it. And uh, I found it and I got a kick out of the uh, the opening line. Uh-oh. And, uh, <laughs> so it said, uh, over the past several years, Adam Pierce has gone from losing opening card matches in Ring of Honor to becoming one of the most influential and respected personalities in the sport of wrestling, and yet many fans may never have heard of him. Uh, and so I thought it's funny because all, all these years later, I feel like it's almost, you know, we're, we're, we're back to that again. And again, here you're a guy who's now getting a ton of TV time, and the reality is that even 10 years after that, a lot of people um, don't know who you are. So um, what, what do you make of this? I mean, you couldn't have expected that at, at this stage of your career you'd be getting more notoriety more screen time than ever before, um, and, and not necessarily even wrestling. I think this goes to show that the old adage, the more things change, the more things stay the same, is exactly true, right? It's, yeah, that absolutely. is hilarious. And you're, it's funny you bring that up. I, I remember doing the interview, never would I have guessed that was the opening line because you could literally cut and paste that and use it today. It's, it's, yeah. uh, it's pretty incredible. It's been a, a heck of a journey. Yeah. So, so how do you get here? I mean, another thing that, that struck me about that interview was, um, you know, talking about how you, from, from 11 years ago, talking about how you ended up part of the, um, the, the creative team, the creative head of Ring of Honor. And right. there's a couple of times where you talked about how you couldn't help but stick your nose in creative and you couldn't help, you, you couldn't stay quiet. You, you had to be the one to speak up. So did, did some of that happen all these years later again in, in WWE? And, and did, did that have a hand in you getting the role that you have now? I certainly think there's some semblance of, of truth to that. You know, as a producer, 
even when I was hired uh, in 2015, that, that was strictly as a coach at the performance center. And then along with those duties came, Hey, um, and we noticed you did some TV at ring of honor. And, and then you fall into seeing that the process at NXT at that point was virtually identical to what I was used to. So in a lot of ways, and I said this to other people, me sliding into the performance center in NXT in 2015 was like putting on a glove. It was a perfect fit at the perfect time for me. And it allowed me to use the skills that I had built up in both ring of honor and championship wrestling from Hollywood on the television side to say, uh, hello to a new group of guys that had no idea that I had those skills. So with that, you know, you kind of, uh, being used to that kind of process, obviously there's a, a ton of creative thought that goes into any television product. Of course, WWE is, is, uh, right alongside any of those. So yeah, I mean, you know, the, uh, the production meetings, I'm not a stranger to any of those. I, I sit in all of them and, uh, I'm, I'm grateful to have an opinion that, uh, people want to hear. And uh, sometimes that has an impact on the shows and sometimes it doesn't, but, uh, just to be involved, I think is, is probably one of the bigger honors, you know, this, we're talking about Monday Night Raw, which is the longest running cable television episodic, uh, product God, going on how many years now, you know what I mean? So to, just to have your fingerprints on the mainstream business that you love, uh, in very tangible ways is, is, uh, is a much, I, I get so much more gratification of that than, than I ever did winning a match, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Is, is there any bit of you that is resentful um, for the fact that you get this opportunity now? I mean, it, it, it's sort of like ironic, like, well, you know, here I, I was doing it for whatever it is, 25 years in the ring, um, and and now uh, you, you, you give me this chance, and, and obviously a different stage in your career. Um, so, you know, and any resentment towards the lost time, only I got this break 15 years ago, 10 years ago. Well, here's where I give you the soundbite that nobody believes. There isn't one shred of resentment about any part of my journey. The cool thing about my career is that everything that I've been able to do has all been by choice. I have literally done everything I've set out to do in, in professional wrestling and sports entertainment and on my own calendar. I worked for myself for two decades, which was incredible in and of itself that number one, I could satisfy my economic needs in pro wrestling on my own without any mainstream machine behind me. But two, once I got to a point where I needed to, um, I needed to make a change because I had a family and I had children and it was time to, to grow up. I was, I was well enough versed in the facets of our industry over that two decade period that my, my toolbox was full enough that I could come into WWE and, and work on things and be a part of that uh, machine shop, if you will. And, and that made it that journey, the two decades previous, even more gratifying because I feel like I did things the right way. I've always been incredibly honest with myself. I knew, uh, and someone just asked me this the other day, you know, uh, a similar question to what you posed, you know, uh, it, I think the way they phrased it was, well, this is probably not the way you envisioned being a part of the TV shows uh, in WWE. And I didn't take it as, in, as a backhanded uh, compliment or even insulting in any way. And I said, no, I, I said, to, not to correct you, but I'll correct you. It's exactly how I saw myself being a part of this going forward. Because 
uh, I didn't and don't have the physical stature that a lot of these guys do. Again, I just very realistic along the journey with what I was capable of. And, and listen, there were a ton of locker rooms on the independent scene where I was the best wrestler in the room. And there were a ton of locker rooms on the independent scene where I wasn't. And I always figured that my real value was going to be behind the camera, behind the curtain, um, coaching, that kind of thing. That's the future I saw for myself God, even 10, 15 years ago. There's a reason why I never really pursued WWE as a talent. I mean, and a real reason why I turned down WCW more than once. So um, it's hard to look in the mirror sometimes for some people when you love what you're doing and you have a dream. I'm not saying I never had those dreams. I just knew that I could attain something different and end up in the same spot. You know, never did I, I would be standing in the main event of SmackDown live on Fox with Roman Reigns. But that just happened. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> um, did, did you ever deal with, with any issues of, of pushback um, from from WWE superstars, maybe younger ones, not as familiar with your body of work, in, in them sort of questioning your credibility? Who, who are you to give me advice? You know, you never right. made it to the show. That right, right. Yeah. I was afraid of that when I got hired and I'll just being transparent. That's one of the things that I thought I would run into a lot. And, and what I ended up finding was the opposite. And I think the reason that I did is because so many of the wrestlers that that younger generation who may not be, or may not have been as familiar with me, um, what they, what they really did admire and what they really did look up to was your Daniel Bryan, Zaros and your CM punks and the likes. And it wasn't, it wasn't six degrees of separation. It was one degree of separation because I shared locker rooms with all those guys. And I can't tell you how impactful it can be when you come into a camp uh, and there's a Jerry Briscoe who everybody's been conditioned to really respect, and rightfully so. There's a reason I call him dad. But when, when people like Jerry Briscoe, and it happened today, when, when, they, when they run up to you in the PC and they give you a hug, even those who are may not familiar may not be as familiar with you as they are with a Jerry Briscoe or a Daniel Bryan or a Finn Balor. When 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 your peers are coming up to you and you're giving you the hug, uh, giving you the rub, giving you the accolade, giving you the brother talk, the handshake, you know what I mean? Like when you earn the respect of your peers, even if someone isn't familiar with you specifically, they get acquainted really quick as a, why is that happening? So I never got that pushback because I had everybody who they looked up to saying the right thing. Yeah. And that, that made the transition that much easier. The, the other side of that is I, I wonder if you've dealt with um, any uh, uh, resentment or even just on your own, any uneasiness from all the rays you've gotten, right? So, so you only become a, a TV character sort of accidentally in the last couple mm -hmm. months. And almost from day one, you get, you're getting praises one of the best characters on television and one of the best talkers, uh, that kind of thing. It, any bit of you kind of get self-conscious that you're getting all this praise? I want to be careful how I answer this because you don't want to come off sounding, uh, you know, smug or, or arrogant. Listen, I'm very confident in the body work and, again, the tools that I've been able to put in my toolbox over now a quarter century, which makes me feel really old. Um, so I've never doubted myself. I've never gone into a situation or been given a task or, or uh, asked if I could pull something off that I didn't think I could. And 
going a step further, if there was something I really didn't think I would do well, I would suggest suggest somebody who I thought was better for the role. Again, that's part of being honest about what you have, what you can do, and more importantly, what you can't. So, you know, I guess the only the only uh, the only cold feet, if you will, I, I said to Roman um, last week before we went out there. I said, hey, I just want to apologize now. I said, it's been a while since I've thrown a right hand. <laughs> so this one might be in there a little tighter than you're used to. <laughs> uh, and he said, as long as you don't knock out my pearly whites, we're good. So thankfully, everything was, was good. But uh, like riding a bike, man. I, I, I've, I learned how to ride a bike, and I learned, then I learned how to ride a bike without any hands. You know what I mean? And uh, I can still ride. Well, I, I saw some of what you posted on, on Facebook over the last few weeks after you uh, – they put you in this program with, with Roman Reigns, and I sent a real gratification over the, the reaction. Uh, were you surprised? I mean, there were absolutely those folks that were like, what? Why? What is uh, uh, Adam Pearce doing in, in this program? And Adam Pearce versus Roman Reigns. And then there were a whole bunch of other people who were like, yeah, absolutely. This is great. I can't wait to see uh, I'm back in the ring. So well, what you can like for you? You could put me in the – in. you could mark me down in the first column because when <laughs> – when uh, when it was first broached, it was like a big what? Uh, because listen, I haven't been shy about the fact that I, have, in a personal sense, I have zero, and, and maybe that's why it's so much fun. I have zero interest in being a full time wrestler ever again in my life. Zero, less than zero. <laughs> you know what I mean? So everything that's happening and has happened to this point has been the proverbial cliche icing on the cake in a very real and literal sense for me. I'm having the time of my life doing this now, uh, mostly because I don't have to do it to make a living anymore. And it's really gratifying to be in there with the very best in our profession, whether you're talking about Roman or whether you're talking about Paul Heyman or on the raw side, I had some interactions with Randy Orton not too long ago that could have, and may still go somewhere further too. like, this is the this is the cream of the crop, man, and I get to kind of ply my trade and match wits and you know clang swords with these guys. I never thought that was going to happen. So whatever ends up happening is is perfect uh, in the perfect you know coming around the the full circle, if you will. Um, it's been yeah. amazing. So the, the, another reason why this whole uh, a ride kind of been unlikely is that. Um, you step into a role that I think a lot of fans thought, you know, they've seen enough of, right? The authority figure. Mm-hmm. And, uh, as soon as they see Adam Pearson, and they never, they, I don't think they called you anything other than them to be official, but right. to the role and just whether it's Mr. McMahon or Eric Bischoff or, or um, every incarnation we've seen, there's a feeling that this has been done to death. And, and yet, uh, again, I, I think the reviews have largely been very good, and there is a, a feeling that you're taking uh, kind of a new twist uh, on this. So what was your approach in, in taking on this role, and, and were you kind of aware of um, uh, the fact that this is something that has been done so much? Well, I think, first of all, from a personal standpoint, it, it's, it's a departure from some of the characters you mentioned already. I think largely the, the authority figure role in, in recent years especially has been that of uh, someone who looks down their nose, they're the establishment, they're the authority, they're the uh, kind of overarching 
control over everything that doesn't hesitate to put their foot on the throat of everyone under them. And I'm really the opposite of that in the sense that uh, I am WWE official. I am not a general manager. There are no general measures. Uh, so I don't have necessarily the uh, power that would be as absolute as it has been in the past. And perhaps because of that, uh, I'm not as corrupted by that power. So I've always tried to, uh, given what we're, what the marching orders tend to be, to play it as straight as I can and, and to be as impartial as I can, uh, given, you know, again, what the marching orders are. And I think that in and of itself is so different from a, an attitudinal standpoint from what people are used to from this kind of character that it, by definition, is different. And it doesn't feel the same because it isn't. And, and it, I think it allows me a latitude to kind of take this wherever it goes organically on its own as opposed to being driven by uh, what what might be on uh, paper. You know what I mean? So we'll see yeah. where it goes. You know, a lot yeah. of that, I I don't know. You know, so it's interesting. It's fun and it's fresh. And I, I hope it continues to feel that way for everybody. Yeah, one one little thing. I don't know if there's a question here, but maybe more of just a, a an observation and a compliment. But that, that first exchange with Roman Reigns where he's really trying to uh, intimidate you. And, and, you know, frankly, one criticism I, I have of WWE a lot these days is that you know, reactions don't feel authentic. Mm-hmm. And yours felt so authentic, right? When it wasn't that cliched sort of cowering and it wasn't also trying to be tougher than, than you knew you were, uh, you said something to the effect of, what are we doing here, man? And that just, that's exactly how somebody in your position would react in that situation. I thought it was uh, so authentic. So uh, well done. Um, I appreciate it. Yeah. The other thing that makes this all so strange is that, uh, and, and this I'm sure you talked about how, how this is exactly how you would have wanted it, but I can't imagine you could have uh, predicted that this run would come in front of a virtual screen with, you know, hundreds of fans on uh, digital fans are virtually there. Um, so does, does that offset some of how awesome this is, that, that it's basically in front of uh, empty arenas? Actually, I look at it the opposite because I really thought, and I, and I, and I could be wrong, but I have the, uh, the impression that if there were live human beings in the seats, especially live human beings conditioned and used to WWE product over a, a substantial amount of time, that I don't know that, WWE official Adam Pierce would have given gotten a chance to uh, to get to get as far as it has gotten. I think any any time you see an authority figure again, you're used to expecting a certain uh, typecast, if you will, uh, that you want to boo it immediately. And I think if there were real human beings in the seats, that's exactly what would have happened. And I don't know if that automatically pushes you in a direction to make it feel as same old, same old WWE authority figure, or if you get, or if you push away from it and go, maybe we don't want to do this. You know what I mean? Cause I, I do think the intention was to have a respectable authority that can make reasonable decisions on the show. And frankly, I think that was missing for a lot of times, uh, for a lot of the time, uh, because you don't necessarily want that person to be good or bad or in print. You just want them to make the right choice given the situation. And and I don't know if there's real fans in the seats, if they would have given me the opportunity to do that, whether we scripted it or not. 
Is there a uh, an authority figure over the years that you drew inspiration from, uh, whether it was, you know, a Jack Tunney or... Ding, uh, ding, ding. Is that it? Yeah, I mean, more kind of... Jack Tunney. Sort of straight-laced, right? Yeah, man, Jack Tunney was my WWF president, right? You know, and, and for, for people my age, anyhow. Uh, yeah, that was it. That that To me, uh, Gorilla Monsoon, I guess, could be another one. I, I always appreciated someone in that... Um, Paul Tagliabue, NFL commissioner, uh, Ron Wolf, Green Bay Packer general manager, straight shooter, cut to the case, make the best decision as fast as you can, be as, as impartial as you can. You know, those are kind of my takeaways when I think about who I try to pattern my attitudes after. If you go back and watch some old uh, Paul Tagliabue and Pete Rozelle stuff, maybe not as flashy or as flamboyant from a personality standpoint, on purpose, by the way. But, um, yeah, Jack Tunney, man, he's he's my forever president. Yeah, yeah. With a few minutes we got here, I wanted to ask you about a couple of things uh, outside WWE that, that I think are relevant to you. Uh, one is the NWA. For, for, for so long, you were kind of the face of, of the NWA and, and one of the many incarnations of Sure. Uh, sort of a reboot, and now you've seen um, what what Billy Corgan uh, has done with it over the last couple of years. A lot of praise for NWA power, and you know right. they were derailed uh, with the pandemic. Uh, what do you, just from an observer, what do you make of it? And and uh, as a guy who, who I know uh, really valued the lineage of, of the NWA, um, do you mm-hmm. like what you've seen? Well, I think it, it, it's six of one, half a dozen the other for me. And, and the reason I say that is because of something you brought up. The pandemic, I think, derailed momentum, not just for WWE or the NWA, but I think for the industry as a whole. This has forced everybody to either adapt or put things aside. And I think, unfortunately, for a lot of my friends that, are, that were working with the NWA, they kind of shelved everything, right? So... It's interesting to see uh, what will happen as the world returns to a more normal, whatever that ends up being, a more normal state of affairs. Um, but yeah, you, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. I, I don't think I am working where I am today without Ring of Honor, which allowed me to first be uh, an executive producer, quote unquote, or the NWA, which put me uh, at the top of the mountain as a talent Um I wish everybody the best. I got so many friends that, and people that I've come across over the last 25 years that work in all these various places and everyone has been impacted in one way or another. Uh, and unfortunately the majority of that has been in a negative manner. And I just, I just want that to change for everybody. You know, yeah. I think the world, the world feels the same. And, and you obviously ha- had uh, an experience with COVID. Um, oh yeah. Most have, having dealt with it. Can you talk a bit about that? And, and in, in, in retrospect, do you, do you look back on anything you did or the company did that, you know, we, we've seen Drew McIntyre talk about it and he's right. very open about it. Um, did, what, if any, lessons did you take away from your experience? Well, I mean, listen, when I, when I got sick, it was, uh, I don't know, the end of June. I found out on my on my 42nd birthday, happy birthday to me. And, and I feel fortunate looking back. Now, I did get sick, and it was awful for about a week. Uh, but I recovered, and my family had varying degrees of, of, of COVID illness. And I, I don't know what I could have done in, in that time to have prevented it. You know, I, I think that the the company has done a wonderful job along the way of adapting to and changing our policies when they needed to be. And like the entire world, not having any 
uh, breadth of experience with this thing because it was brand new. Everyone has had to adjust and react in real time. And I think we've done a really good job about doing that. Most of that, my opinion, comes from uh, having personal accountability. If you know the communicable disease out there and you don't want to put somebody at risk, then you don't undertake those kind of things that are going to put you in a position to do just that. So I have lived, thankfully, I like the house that I bought because I have been living in this thing and looking at these walls for pretty much a year and uh, and it still didn't prevent me from getting sick. I'm just thankful that I didn't get anybody else sick. And then once I recovered, uh, I still had antibodies, which is awesome. Again, think we're learning as we go along with this thing. So it, you have to adapt, and you've got to you've got to be selfless, and you've got to think about your neighbors, and you've got to think about the people that your children interact with. I'm fortunate that my children are been, are able to go to school when so many kids across the country still are dealing with virtual education and we did that at the end of school year last year and it was it was awful I think from uh, I mean, not to get into child psychology but I just watched my kids who blossom and blossom and blossom and then all of a sudden they're shelled you know mm-hmm. and uh, I'm thankful to our school districts and, and the people around our community that by and large everybody does the right thing and as a result we're all healthy yeah yeah just to go full circle you know, back to, to that interview from, from 2010 because I really had a lot of fun going through it and, and so much of it really holds up. Um, I mean, there, there's a bit where you talk about how um, Ring of Honor, this was right after you had left Ring of Honor, and mm-hmm. uh, talk about how they kind of get away from the DVDs and the future is in, um, I think you called it like downloadable video like they do in Netflix, <laughs> something, like that, something like that. And right. um, a, a lot of stuff like that uh, you talked about how they, they need to get with it and go HD and improve the lighting. And and there's a line here. Um, I've thought and I've, I've been adamant from the beginning that if and when Ring of Honor, Honor finally closes its doors, the wrestling side of it, the entering, the native, is never going to be the reason why. Um, so even that, I think, was really forward-looking, that, you know, it's not enough just to be the company that, that has the really athletic wrestling. So um, what, what, talking about Ring of Honor, when, when you see what, what they've become, and they've had their ups and downs, would, would you like to think that, that you had, you know, small piece, some small piece, your, your fingerprints are still on, on what they eventually became? Oh, I think so. Uh, you know, and, and I, don't, I don't follow the product closely anymore. It's, it's hard uh, when you have your quote-unquote baby and then you got to step away from it. It's kind of done its own thing. But just hearing you read that, that line from that interview from 11 years ago, I wish I would have coined the term streaming service. I could not have <laughs> yeah. just said streaming service. God, what did I say? Downloadable video content? That's too wordy. Like they do on uh, Netflix. Something like, like they do on Netflix. Good Lord. That's funny. Netflix was around 11 years ago. There we go. I, I'm sorry. I think we're still uh, shipping uh, DVDs. But <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah no, I, uh, I'm, I'm still buddies with a lot of people that are working in Ring of Honor. So I know that uh, they learned to do this process the same time I did. So, yeah, we kind of all came up and got our fingerprints uh, working on, on that machine in the same way at the same time. So I know that a lot of those lessons from way back when are still being used today. Yeah, yeah. How, how do you feel about uh, uh, WWE in, in 2021? I know that there's hopes to put some uh, button seats at WrestleMania. Are, are you mm-hmm. optimistic about what, what this year is going to look like? I would love for that to happen. I think it, the uh, the magic of sports entertainment or professional wrestling, whichever way you want to term it, uh, magic isn't so much what happens in the ring as much as 
what the people outside the ring do with their reactions to it. That That's the majesty of our industry. And for an entire year, that's been missing, and we've had to try to replicate it or manufacture it in a way so that it feels natural, and I'm not certain anyone has done that. You know, uh, the, there are times where I'll be watching something, whether live or on TV, and I go, man, that felt good, but I know that it's inauthentic and it doesn't feel like it would have if this place was full. You know what I mean? Uh, and some of those iconic moments that you get when you scroll back through the wrestling uh, annals of the WWE Network and, and you look back on, on those real keynote signature moments, it's going to look weird in 10 years when you're looking at these retrospective video packages and you're going to see snapshots of LED boards and faces on screens. And it's not going to match everything else. Yeah. I just hope that going forward, we see less LED boards and more human eyes uh, reacting to what, to what their superstars are doing in the ring. That really is the incredible magic. Uh, the interplay between the wrestler and the person that loves that wrestler. You can't replicate that in any way, shape, or form. And has it become even more important to do that um, because there's the uh, possibility for you having your own WrestleMania moment this year? How hilarious would that be? (laughs) Talk about, I said this to Paul Heyman the other day, talk about things you never thought you would ever even imagine or think of. (laughs) <laughs> Paul Heyman versus Adam Pierce advertised for the main event of SmackDown. What is this bizarre world we're living in? You know, uh, so that, that would be hilarious. That would certainly be on the list of things I never imagined for myself. You know, you resign yourself to a certain fate when you decide that you're going to put your boots away and you're going to step into another role, whether you want that other role or not, that closes the door, you know, at least you think it does until it doesn't. So who knows? Who knows? The, uh, Anything can happen, as what someone once said uh, about WWE. Yeah, yeah. All right, Adam, this was a lot of fun. Good catching up with you. Let's not wait another uh, 11 years to do it again. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. Yeah, and that's on you. You know how to get a hold of me. <laughs> okay, man, I'll send you a link. I think we're Facebook friends. I'll send you a link to these, the uh, original uh, interview. It's, it's a lot of fun to go through. That sounds great. All right, Adam, thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir.